Yes, sweetheart. Now I want to tell you, that sweet little lady sitting there is my timekeeper. And she does an excellent job of letting me know when it's time to shut it down. <laughs> I'm not very obedient. Because I know where the timekeeper is, I tend to stay away on the other side. <laughs> but I won't abuse you this morning. Oh, what a joy to be a child of God. I promise I won't step on your feet. If I do, I'll fall on the ground and I don't want to do that. Oh, glory to God. You know what? Real joy comes through the perseverance of faith. It's not easy sailing. <laughs> Do you know that I've been in the book of Philippians since November last year? The epistle, the letter of Paul to the Philippians. You probably don't know this, or maybe you do, and I'm not trying to be pedantic in any way, but you probably don't know that, th that the church at Philippi was the first church that Paul ever planted in Europe. And he wasn't headed for Europe. He was on his way to Asia Minor. He was... Uh, convinced that that's where the work was that he was supposed to do. And when he was on his way there, God stopped him and said, I don't want you to go into Asia Minor. God didn't tell him immediately where he wanted him to go, by the way. He stuck around. And in Troas, the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go to Europe. He had to turn west. Now look, when he got to Philippi, his normal practice was to find a local synagogue, and then because he was a visiting rabbi who sat at the feet of Gamaliel, they would invite him to speak to the body. But there was no synagogue in Philippi. And the reason why is because there was not the required 10 adult Jewish males to make up a synagogue. Now, most of us would have said, oh my, that's my method, that's my plan. What do I do now? I guess I must have missed it somehow. But no, he stuck around and he found out that there was a Jewish ladies' prayer meeting at the riverside every Sabbath day. And he went there on the Sabbath with his entourage. He didn't mind that it was ladies who were praying. He didn't mind that they had taken leadership. He went along there because he felt the Spirit of God guiding him. And when he got there, and I'm not going to tell you all the historical background is too much. But uh, when he got there, there was a lady there by the name of Lydia. By the way, she was a businesswoman from Asia Minor. And she sold purple cloth and uh, garments made of purple. She had a really good business. She had a strong labor force. And they came to the prayer meeting with her. And she got saved and her entire household. And they became the first members of the church 
at Philippi. Now, the next member that God had in his mind was the most unlikely person in the whole world. And the only way for Paul and Silas to get to him was to be beaten up and to be thrown into prison. Oh no, wait a minute, Pastor. Do you mean to say that God would allow for his anointed apostle to be beaten up with 39 lashes and to be thrown in prison in order to win the next family for the church at Philippi? Well, I can't prove that that was his motive, but that certainly is what happened. Because the Bible says... Now listen, this man was in misery. Have you ever had even one lash with what is called the cat of nine tails? You probably don't even know what it looks like. But it is a horrible leather strap with pieces of wood and iron and bone on the end of maybe eight or nine different tails that are on the whip. Every lash with one of those cat of nine tails tears the skin and the flesh off of your body. Both Paul and Silas had 39 of them. And when it was over, they took them into the maximum security of the prison and they locked them in stocks. Maybe you've been to some of the historical places here in the States where uh, what a stock is, your feet, your arms, and your head are inside of a wooden stock that holds you in place. Besides the fact that they were in maximum security, they were in stocks. And at midnight, they began to rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I would have been licking my wounds and complaining terribly. I'm just trying to be honest. But Paul and Silas began to praise. They had no precedence whatsoever. There was no Bible. Nobody carried it. Did you see my Bible? Look at this. This is the whole revelation, Old and New Testament. Look at this. In those days, if they wanted a, just the book of Isaiah, they would carry a scroll this big and this tall. No precedent. But he and and Silas began to rejoice, the Bible says. They began to worship and to praise God. And God tore the walls down and opened the doors and set them free. And the Philippian jailer and his family became the second official members of the church at Philippi. You know, I want to tell you, God doesn't work in the ways that we dictate and expect. God works in wondrous, marvelous ways to perform his wonderful works. He is not impressed by how well we dress. He's really not impressed. Now, by the way, don't get me wrong, ladies. When you come to church, you're not coming to the beach. 
When you come to church, cover up. Dress properly. The Lord is not looking to see all of your assets. (laughs) Men, when you come to church, you're not headed for the local bar. Oh, he's talking about my short pants. No, I'm not. But some of us come to church. The shirts down here, the ears are hanging out. I don't know who we're trying to impress, but listen to me. When we gather together as the body of Christ, we come to worship and have a wonderful time of experience and fellowship in the presence of God. And we come to rejoice. We don't come to be miserable. You know, some people have the ministry of misery. (laughs) They say they are happy. I say, tell your face. Listen to me. Do you know the theme? of the book of Philippians. There's only four chapters, 104 verses, 2,172 English words, 1,638 Greek words. But I want to tell you, in that short letter, 18 times Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. Now I want to tell you, joy is the noun. Joy is the most important part of our acquisition in our relationship to God. It is something we possess. But you have to have joy first before you can really rejoice. You see, rejoicing is the verbal response to the joy that God has shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Oh, wait a minute, brother. Doesn't Romans 5 say, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts? Yes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. Listen to me. Out of joy out of relationship, out of intimacy with Christ, flows joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Do you know, this fellow, Paul, nobody could question him when he said, in chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to be in chapter 3, if we get there. In chapter 3, verse 1, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you didn't get it, again, I say unto you, rejoice. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with me? I'll tell you what's wrong. We've got our face in the mud and in the dirt. We're like a bunch of turkeys digging around in the ground instead of like eagles soaring on the ruach of God 
above everything, having the perspective of Jesus. Now, wait a minute, brother. My pants, I put a new belt on this morning and I had to make an extra hole and it's still not tight enough. (laughs) And I don't want it to fall off because then the service will be over instantly. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen, listen, rejoice. Listen, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, you know, those are two amazing adverbs. Always and again. I feel like rejoicing sometimes, but the most of the time because of my circumstances, I feel like shouting and screaming and moaning and griping and complaining. Uh, Don't feel alone. Many of us fall in that same perspective because our perspective is warped. We don't know, we don't realize that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. That's somewhere down the road in the good and glorious by and by. No! It is now! Joy is not dependent upon our circumstances. It is dependent on our relationship with Jesus. Listen, to be happy, our circumstances and situations are very important. We need to have a little house and some food and a couple of cars around and some money in the bank and some healthy children and so on, those are things that will make us happy. But joy, whether we have those things or not, our relationship with Christ never ceases. And if we keep it tight, it will never in any way be affected. Now, you know, to get down to where chapter three is leading us. In chapter one, Paul talks about the joy that is gained or experienced even, or the triumph of joy, even in the midst of suffering. In chapter two, he talks about the joy that is gained through service. You know, most of us want to be the big shots. There's too many of us that want to be the chief and too little that want to be Indians. And I want to tell you, you know what he says about Jesus? He's talking about Jesus because he's the ultimate example. In verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, Listen, any fellowship in the Spirit, any bowels or mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, that you have the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done by strife or vainglory. 
but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let every man think not only on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, verse 5, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. For the joy, Hebrews 12, verse 2. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And in chapter 3, where I hope that we're going to have a bit of time, he says, there is a joy that is gained through perseverance. Oh, I love the way he does it. Do you know how he begins chapter 3, verse 1? Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. He's writing from prison. He's writing to people who are free, but they're experiencing persecution because they're in love with Jesus. And Nero demands that when they walk past a statue or past a, a, one of the centurions or big shots, that they are to hail Caesar, or Caesar is Lord, was the statement. And for every believer, there was only one declaration they would make. Jesus is Lord. And as a result, they were being thrown in the arena and to the lion's den. All kinds of things were happening. And he says, and basically this is what he's saying, Pastor. If you substitute anything for your faith and intimacy with Jesus, you will never experience the joy that flows from that intimacy. Real joy can only be experienced in the perseverance of faith. You know what he says? For me to write to you of the same things, he's talking about the things he's already spoken about. He says, it's not burdensome for me. In fact, it's safe for you that I go ahead and write. And then he says this. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Now, to wrap that all up in just simple everyday terms without getting into detail, he is saying this. Be careful of the legalists. They want you to be circumcised. They want you to keep the law. They want you to hold to the Sabbath day. Those are the legalists. And at the same time, be careful of the liberals. Be careful of those who say it's not important that you stay in prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God. It doesn't matter if you live like a wicked sinner. You're saved. Once saved, always saved. You've got grace. You can do your own thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Grace is very important. I'm not denigrating it. 
But I want you to notice what he says in verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3. The first, there's only two places in the whole of chapter 3 that he uses the verb rejoice. In verse 1, rejoice in the Lord. And here in verse 3. He said, we are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. <laughs> oh, there's my pants again. I don't want the service to end. Listen, it's really important. We worship God, the Father, in the spirit and we rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh now just to explain what he means in verse 4 he says if anybody has confidence in the flesh I'm more he says I was circumcised on the eighth day not just circumcised but according to legal requirements, the eighth day, I was of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob. He said, uh, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He says, in zeal, he said, I persecuted the church. In righteousness that came out of the law, I was above everybody. Now, yes, brother, how does this talk about perseverance? Well, look at verse 7. I'm glad you asked. Look what he says. I've got a little cheat sheet here, but it says this But what things were gained to me, those things I counted loss for Christ. I want you to think about this. Yea, doubtless, all things that I counted as gain, I counted loss in order that I might, uh, now listen, this is the word he uses. He says, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. When he uses the word knowledge, we oftentimes get the wrong idea. He's not talking about knowing about. Notice what he said. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. He is saying that I might be intimate, that I may know Christ, that I might be deep in experience with him. That through my intimacy with him, I might flow into a relationship that issues forth in joy. Now, by the way, that's not the end of the verse, because notice what he says. He says, this is for Christ he's talking about, for whom I have lost all things, and I count them as nothing but dung, excrement. I don't want to use the everyday term that you hear out there on the street. The Bible used that term, by the way, in the King James Version. I counted 
as nothing but refuge, as dung, so that I might win Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God through faith. And that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, plural, and that I might be conformed unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I've already attained, either were already perfect. Now listen to it, listen to this wording. But I follow after. Now wait a minute. You know, you guys sing that beautiful chorus. I think you learned it in South Africa originally. I will follow, follow Jesus. Listen, I, yeah, yeah, I will, I will follow after. What is he saying? I will persevere. I will pursue. I follow after. I strive for. I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute, brother. What is all of this? Yeah, I see the time is gone. Uh, what is all this being apprehended, apprehended stuff? Glad you asked. When they arrest a person who is guilty of a crime, they tell us they have apprehended the culprit. He says, I follow after that I, if I might apprehend, that I might arrest, that I may grasp, that I might experience that for which Christ Jesus has arrested, apprehended me. Brother, you have not yet attained. Now, just listen to what he says in these next two verses and then I'm going to have to shut it off and the next time I get a chance to come to Christ community, I'm going to expound this text. Oh, it's exciting. All I've done is quoted it for you and given you a little understanding here and there, but let me tell you, listen to what he said. Listen, this is at uh, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Listen, very careful, this is beautiful. But this one thing I do, listen, forgetting those things which are behind. You know what our problem is? We're dragging the dead and forgotten, forgiven past along with us. Everywhere we go.
Why are we so introspective? Do we think there's anything in the past that benefited us in any way? Oh, but our enemy, dear, he loves to remind us. I know what you were. You were a pornographer. You were a lustful dude. You were a liar and a cheat. You were a whore, a prostitute. Oh, the devil never forgets. He wants to remind you every day how bad you are. And we listen to our enemy. Listen to Paul. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now what I want you to check it, sir. Check it out and see if I'm telling you the truth. And reaching forth unto that which is before. some of us we're just so laid back now it's okay to rest in the Lord but I mean don't be a goof off the pastor's been called to do the ministry I'll sit back and applaud him that's the problem with the football stadium there are 50 or 70,000 people in desperate need of exercise and a few people on the field in desperate need of rest. We treat church like a football stadium. I said we, not you. But did Paul say, I'm taking it easy, man. I'm at the bus stop singing choruses, waiting for the bus to take me to heaven to sit at the table and to drink wine and eat bread and have a good time for eternity. Is that what he said? No. Listen to the words. I press toward. Okay. Time's gone. I press. Towards the mark. I didn't set the mark, he did. Yes, son. There's my cheat sheet. You have to persevere in faith. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your elders can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your grandma can't do it for you. You have to persevere. Hang in there. Strive. Press in. Towards the mark of the high calling. I walk with Jesus. I'm his friend. 
And even greater than that, he said to Mary, go and tell my brethren. I'm his brother. I'm his el- he's my elder brother, and I am a fellow and joint heir together with him, as are you, and you, and you, and you. Persevere in your faith! Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for these beautiful, receptive children of God. Brothers and sisters that you have called into your kingdom. I thank you that you've given us a righteousness that comes through our faith and our intimate relationship with you. And now I pray, Lord, that you will help us to see that the sourpusses, the faithless, and the joyless individuals out there that call themselves the children of God do not have joy in their lives because there is no intimacy with you. But when we are intimate with you and we persevere in that intimacy, Our hearts are filled with rejoicing because the fruit of the Spirit that is in us is love and joy and peace. Now I pray, Lord, that you would help us to make our commitment today to persevere in faith so that joy unspeakable and full of glory might be the trademark of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mother.